As I said, we're starting a new series called Critical Conversations. We're going to do this probably for the next five, six weeks. And I don't know if you can just keep working on the sound just a little bit. It's just still ringing or something. But uh, this, this message, this series is one of the most important ones that I've preached in a while. I'll just say that. Um, and and, and I, I don't say that lightly. And you know I don't stand up here every week and go, this is the most important message. But this is a seriously important message. Um, and this series is important. And I want to encourage you to, to really lock in the next month and a half. Uh, let's not do the, the new modern way to go to church, which is like every other week. <laughs> People go to church like every other week now. I, I remember back in the day, man, they used to tell us when the doors are open, you come to church. Well, you can't do that here because the doors are always open and you wouldn't be able to be here uh, 24-7. But you can be in services and you can avail yourself of the prayer room as much as, as, much as you have availability in your schedule. But this is just one of those times where I just feel like we need to set a plumb line. We need to, we need to speak truth. And, and we need to be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And, and so that's, that's what we're going to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about things that are concerns in the culture right now, in the society. We're going to talk over the next several weeks about, you know, different topics like gender identity we're going to talk about things that have become hot topics in the political arena, like, like how do we think about uh, immigration and, and those that are foreigners to us. And here's the thing, we're not doing it from a political aspect, we're going to do it from a kingdom of God aspect. Because here's what we're finding, is that there is so many voices uh, right now in the public, and there just ends up being massive confusion around critical, critical issues. And, and I'm finding right now that even in the church, people are just, they're just confused. Their, their brain and their mind is just so flooded with information and misinformation and opinion and, and just energy and they're so intense about everything. And, and all of a sudden you talk to believers and you find that although we're all of the same kingdom, we're of so many varying opinions. And it's not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be united with one mind and one mouth glorifying the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to be united in spirit. And, and the Lord is bringing us to, to unity uh, uh, you know, of faith where we, we think and believe according to the kingdom of God and not just according to our own opinions and preferences. And so I want to deal with this subject this morning. And today what I'd like to do is just set the table I want to talk about the nature of the kingdom of God versus the, the, the nature of the world system and talk about the context that we're living in right now because we are in an extremely unusual societal context in our day and in our time. And if, you, if you're unaware of that, I think most people kind of feel that. They're kind of like, yeah, this has got to be different than ever. <clears throat> but I want to spell it out for you and I want to show you biblically how the Bible talks about the context that we're actually living in today. And it describes it and it says in, in about five verses, all these different ingredients that will be happening at the end of the age. And beloved, when you look at those ingredients, you, there is no confusion at all. You go, wow, that's happening, that's happening, that's happening. Wow, that, that, and it's happening right now. And it's creating a very unusual intensity and, and a very divisive and pressure-filled context in our society. 
So let's just look at the outline. Let me walk you through this. Some of this I just want to teach. Now, now some of these things I'm going to say, they're going to be evident. You're going to be like, well, yeah, duh, I get that. But I don't really hear people differentiating and, and, and clarifying these points. So I'm just going to put it out there for us. I want you to track with me. And, and, and here's my hope today. My hope is that, that by the end of this morning, our hearts are set to lock in with Jesus' opinion and his culture and every other opinion and every other culture and every other norm is going to be secondary to Jesus. We have, a, we have a kingdom that we're a part of. Jesus is the king. Jesus has opinions. He has a way about him. He has a culture about him. And his kingdom and his culture and his way is supposed to be greater for all of us than any other natural means by which we associate ourselves. And so that's what I want to do is I want to bring us in to a mentality where we recognize we have to agree with the culture of God's kingdom. Again, not a political thing at all, a deeply spiritual thing, and and clearly something that is a, a massive point of confusion right now for believers. Let me just hammer that one point that it's not a political deal. Jesus is not part of any political party except for the kingdom of God. That is it. He's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not a Libertarian. He's not an Independent. He's the King of Kings. He actually has already been chosen to rule the universe and there's not anything anyone can do about it. Imagine that. So it's time that we get on his agenda and on his plan and and really begin to humble ourselves and and put our opinions and our plans and our agendas to the side. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's walk through this. I say this and ask that, you know, we're facing many challenges in our day, terror attacks, racial injustice, gender confusion. But what we don't really realize, and I'm watching this day in and day out, is that the the, the, the difficulty is being escalated by our information culture. Our information culture is like throwing gasoline and wood on the fire that's already burning, you know, in the world. And at the same time that the information culture is, is got so much momentum, I mean, if we just think it through, like people get their headlines mostly now, not from a newspaper, they get their information from a mobile device that's delivered directly to their hand. And I'm going to talk about how the speed of that impacts us. But they get, they get information delivered right here to the palm of their hand anytime, any day. And, and here's the thing. This is happening in a time where there's great confusion regarding truth. And, and the Bible actually tells us that there is a time coming on the earth, and I would say, and is now, where that context that I'm describing is actually a sign of the end of the age. Look at Daniel chapter 12. It's right there in your outline. After Daniel has this, I mean, fantastic encounter with this angel that unpacks for him volumes of truth about the end of the age, As the angel is wrapping up the details, he says, now, Daniel, as for you, conceal these words and seal up the book until the time of the ends. 
uh, the, the, the end of time. And many will go back and forth. Another translation says, travel to and fro and knowledge will increase. Knowledge will increase. Now, what an unusual statement. I mean, you've got to set yourself, you know, contextually in the time that this was given. Daniel's living in Babylon. It's the center of the entire world. It's the, I mean, it's the social center, the economic center. It's the, it's the uh, you know, information center. And probably they're thinking, man, I don't know how it can get any better than Babylon. And the angel goes, oh, no, no, you have no clue. Knowledge will increase. And the point is, it will increase in such a significant way that it's a sign of the end of the age. And that's why it's contextually in that, in that verse. Now, I just want you to think about what you have in your pocket, many of you, or in your pocketbook. You have got a little rectangular device that within really 30 seconds of even turning it on, you can have information in your palm about virtually any topic all over the world from history to projections of the future to data to stats to any kind of thing you want to have. You can have it right there. I mean, it is... We've grown even accustomed to the, the speed by which uh, information is delivered right now. But uh, I mean, it is absolutely unreal what we have available to us in terms of knowledge or information being available. I mean, how many of you remember when we used to have to dial up to the internet? My son was loading something, he Googled something yesterday and I said, you got the answer? And I was asking within about 15 seconds. He goes, oh no, dad, it's so slow. I go, yeah? He goes, oh yeah, it's loading like it's 2005. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I remember when there was no internet. That's called when I was in college. I'm like, I had to do college when it was actually work. You actually had to go to the library. And I actually had to get real books and open them and read them. And, and now it's all available. It's all right there in the palm of your hand. And, and the Bible is clear that this is something that was coming on the earth. Now, as, as, when you read that phrase, you think, oh, that's interesting. More knowledge. That's a good thing. But I would tell you that there are implications for the increase of knowledge that we're not thinking through. And I'm not even talking about people being addicted to the internet or addicted to their cell phones, which I think is a whole other topic that, you know, should be addressed and people shouldn't be addicted to their mobile devices. But I'm just talking about the way that the context of society is formulated right now. It's, it's inf- influenced and impacted by the fact that knowledge has increased at the level that it has. And so I put it there in C, and I just say, never before has anybody have ever had in- instant access to information at any level they wanted. They've got it right there. But at the same time, never before have people been able to instantly share what they feel about that information. So not only are we getting the information to us, now everybody's got a voice and they can declare to the world the way they think and feel about it. 
Now, again, maybe it sounds harmless, but when you fill out the rest of the context, you find this phenomenon is creating a societal pressure and a divisiveness like we've never seen before. And it's, it's, it's actually shocking to how the uh, intensity of society has gone up. Have you just, I mean, if, if you can just remember, think back a decade ago or even 20 years ago, when a news headline would come out, there would be a response from people in the public, but it seemed like the, the, the cycle of response would take much longer. People would hear a thing and then they would process it a little bit more and then there would be a response within a, a week or something and, and, and you know, there would be this sort of collective you know, pro- progression of what, the way that people would respond to information. Now, there's, there's a requirement that once information hits, you're supposed to respond immediately. And what we find is unfiltered opinions hitting the, the internet waves with instantaneous response to information, and all of a sudden, people just want more information. And we have an addiction to information, so the news headline comes out, and then we want the opinion, and we want the opinion about the opinion, and then we want the metrics on the opinions about the opinion. How many people viewed that? How many people thought it was good? How many people thought it was bad? We want all that. And we want that within the first 30 minutes. And, and there's something going on that we're just not understanding, And I would just say that there is this cooperative increase of pressure and difficulty that we don't comprehend uh, is happening to us because of multiple factors, but notwithstanding the fact that information is right there at our fingertips. It's creating numbers of ripples that you would never, you'd never imagine. It reminds me of those, you know, like there's a, I, I don't even think I've ever seen the movie, but I know there's a movie uh, back in the day where the Jim Carrey, he, he, he wants to be God for a day and he grants everybody's prayers. Everybody prays and then he, he says, okay, amen to all of them. And then everything goes crazy. And it's kind of like that right now. Having instantaneous information is creating a societal context of intensity, of animosity, of division that is extremely heightened and, and, and we're, we're unaware that it's actually happening to us. It's a, it's a very much a frog in the kettle kind of a thing. And so I say it in the E that the loudest opinions on any subject set the public perception. And with the increase of knowledge, speed of dissemination has become critical. And because speed is critical, truth suffers. Why am I saying all that to you? Here's why. Guys, the media has an agenda. And it's not the kingdom of God. And God doesn't work for Fox News. And he doesn't work for MSNBC. And he doesn't work for CNN. And and here's our problem. In the church, many of us are getting our opinions formulated for us by what the pundits and the editorialists are saying in news outlets. It's like we don't even know what to think until they tell us what to think. It can't be that way for the church. It can't be that way. Because there is a social narrative that's clearly being constructed by outlets, by media outlets, that's moving public perception different directions. And I'm just telling you, the church 
can't be easily led astray from truth and from the, the, the foundations of the kingdom by what's hot in the media right now. Because truth isn't the main point for the media. It's ratings. God bless you if you work for the media. We love you. It's ratings. It's money. Money is pushing the news cycle. Don't be sucked in and deceived by it. And this proliferation of information, it's gripping us and it's gripping the church until the church is like dazed and confused and without clarity in an hour when we need it the most. We need clarity, we need precision, we need prophetic voices, we need to know what the truth is, we need to know what the kingdom is, we need to know what Jesus thinks about topics, and not be spouting our favorite news anchor or editorialist's opinion. Oh, glory, I'm preaching so good right now. Now, at the same time this context is all happening, the Bible promises extreme narcissism will possess the planet in the last days perilous times will come men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money and it goes on and on and on so here's what's an interesting point we have instant information instant ability to share my opinion and narcissism is driving the information so anybody has the opportunity to have their five minutes of fame the loudest, wildest, meanest, most divisive person can be all over the news instantaneously if you just want to. And I mean, there's all sorts of experiences and expressions of this on the internet where you just find people doing the craziest stuff. Why? So that they can be known. They want to be seen. Show me. I want, I want everybody to see me. And guys, what's driving that is this improper self-love, improper, uh, uh, you know, pushing forth of self that the Bible said was going to happen. So he said, information is going to increase, knowledge will increase, men will be lovers of self, and then at the same time, gee, the Bible tells us that it's not only in the world that we have a problem, it's in the church. Now look at it, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 Again, the time will come. Now, again, Daniel chapter 12, 4, that's end times. 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, that's end times. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, this is end times. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. When you see own desires, think lovers of selves. Narcissism. He goes, because, because they've gone narcissistic, they're not going to care about what's truth. They just want their own way and their own desires. Because they've, uh, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Man, when you put those verses together, you look at the context of the earth. And, and simultaneously, Daniel chapter 8, verse 23 says this, that at the end times and the end of the age, wickedness and the sin of humanity will get to its highest measure. When you put all those ingredients together, you get a, a social context that is like a boiling pot that can just boil over at any time. 
And so that's why what we see right now, there are so many issues in society that are just trigger issues. Some are, are, are there to incite fear. Some are there to incite anger. Some are there to, you know, you know just, just cause everybody just to, just to get, you know, completely, you know, upset, just, to, just you know, injustice. And they just, they just push it and push it and push it. And I, and I believe this, Jesus has an opinion about all of it. He has clarity on all of it. And his opinion is not the news cycle. It's not the editorialist on the news channel. He's definitely not on Facebook. Glory to God. So he goes, well, I don't get my information from Fox or CNN or MSNBC. I get all mine from Facebook. I go, dear God, help us. Because Facebook is everybody going for their five minutes of fame. How many likes did I get? Are they liking me? Oh, they're sharing me. They're sharing me and liking me. Sounds like narcissism. Okay, sorry if that was you. So, now let's talk about this. That's our social context. The Bible is clear. The verses are very, very clear. And we're living in a time where we're experiencing exactly what those scriptures say. Now, let's talk more broadly. Let's understand what is influencing humanity. And I would just be very clear to you and say this. There are two key influences to human culture. One is called what the Bible says is the world system. The other is the kingdom of God. There's really not... You know, something in between, a third party. There's not an independent when it comes to spiritual issues. The purgatory party. There's no such thing as that. There's the kingdom of God and the world system. And they're at odds. And here's, beloved brothers and sisters, we're part of the kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of God. That person next to you is your brother and your sister. That person that's ranting on Facebook, if they love Jesus, that's our brother and sister. But more importantly, this is where we we have to get beyond our own borders. That believer that's in a prison for their faith in a developing nation or a, a communist country, that's your brother and sister. I know you may not know them by face, but they're they're really your brother and sister. What if you had, what if you knew that you had a long lost brother who is in jail in such and such country for his faith? You'd pray for him regularly. Even if you had no way to get to him, you'd think about him often and pray for him regularly. And I think what happens in America is our, our, our culture of information and our media and, and everything's wrong with us. It's just so much in our face because they want us to pay to watch them. We forget about what's really going on in the world. Now, I'm not saying that things that are happening in America aren't important. There are very important issues, obviously, in America. And I want to speak into the conversation right now real strongly, and I will in these days. But, but I'll just tell you, there are things happening in the earth that we don't know of. I, I, I was just reading this past week and just praying, just heartbroken. A- anybody aware of the humanitarian crisis in Yemen? I mean, two hands, three hands. In Yemen right now, they have the largest outbreak of cholera ever, ever. 
And the water table in the nation is so low that every individual, all they have available to them in the course of the next year is 100 gallons of water. You and I use that brushing our teeth. And the, the outbreak of the humanitarian crisis is so high in that nation because of, the, because of the Arab Spring. They've had infighting ever since. And it's, it hasn't ever panned out. The country is war-torn. It's ravaged. People are homeless. I mean, what's going on there right now is unthinkable, but it's not in our news cycle. Why? Doesn't sell. Syria is not selling right now. What is selling? Hate. Let's put as many hate-filled people in front of everybody to get everybody stirred up so that we can have all sorts of energy on this news part. Because for real, if you get 500 white supremacists, that's, that world is ending. Now, I'm against white supremacy, obviously. We've made massive statements about it. I reject it, denounce it. We've, we've already said that. But here's the deal. 500 white supremacists in a country of 300 million? They're pushing it down our throats so we get mad, guys. So we'll keep paying them to watch them push it down our throat. There's an opinion in the kingdom of God that we need to dial into. So, what we see is this. The prevailing cultural tide in society is described by the Bible as the sway of the wicked one. The sway of the world system, which is led by Satan. Follow me. The sway of the world system is led by Satan. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world system, it stands in direct opposition to the culture of the kingdom of God. The world system influences every person alive on the planet. Each individual experiences the sway of the world system. It's a cultural system that is ultimately antichrist in nature. Okay? The world system is ultimately antichrist in nature. Now you go, wow, man, you're just saying that everything that's not spiritual or Jesus is the devil? No, I didn't say that, actually. The Bible said that. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Okay? So what we've got to do is get very discerning then in the way that we perceive and understand what's being told to us. Otherwise, we will buy into deception. Satan's the father of lies. Since the beginning, he's been a liar. And what does he do? He continues to speak lies. And he wants to deceive and draw us into deception. Now, The comfort for believers is that in the midst of much deception, the Holy Spirit teaches us the truth. Look at these passages in 1 John chapter 2, and let let me just break them down for us just a little bit so that we can technically understand what it is that John's saying to us. First, he says, don't love the world system. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay? So we find that the enemy uses human desires and lusts to draw us away from the Father and draw us into deception and ultimately into bondage. Lusts that are expressed in several different ways. I'm sure you've heard a teaching on that sometime. We won't go through it and break it down right now. Now look at verse 18 again. Dear children, this is the last hour. So if it was the last hour when John was on the earth, what does that equal for us right now? As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Now here's the question I want to ask you. Why do you think John puts verse 18 and 19 right there talking about Antichrists that have come right after he's talking about the world system? Because he's trying to express to us that the world system is the spirit of Antichrist, what I just said. He's trying to express to us that it's anti-Christic. It's against Jesus. And the sway of the world is against Jesus. And then he goes, this is how we know uh, it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belong uh, belong to us. And so who's he talking about? He's actually talking specifically about those that were once in the faith that had turned and begun to, instead of preach the value system and the cultures of Jesus, begun to embrace the world system and declare a false gospel. Now, beloved, this is happening. I mean, it happened in John's day. It's happening in mass right now where we see men and women who had been, they'd once been uh, declarers of truth and declarers of, of righteousness and standing for the justice of the kingdom of God, that now they've completely moved away from truth and they've moved into a false gospel that winks at sin, that allows you know, there to be compromise to the gospel of Jesus. And, and I'm telling you, I've seen so many that have turned from Jesus to the extent they just say, you know what? Everybody gets to go into heaven. Doesn't matter what their faith is because all roads lead to God. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not true. There's only one way to the Father and through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one who gives us truth and that's Jesus. Grace and truth came through Jesus. And whatever other gods that there may be, they're false. They're false. Somebody goes, well, they're good people that follow those. I go, you know what? I appreciate the sentiment. And it's that, yeah, there are human beings that God loves that follows them. But guess what? None of us is good. No, not one. Not me, not you, not any of us. And what's happening right now is biblical truth feels such like a slap in the face because we are being put to sleep by a culture that's deluding us into sort of this social and moral relativism and a very much I'm okay, you're okay kind of a thing. And you know what? God's a loving God. He would never send anybody to hell. And that has gotten so heavy in our culture that now when we say certain sins are sin, that's hate speech. Man, I just saw something that blew my mind this week. Canada, our... our Gentle neighbors to the north, God bless you Canadians. They just decided, their government just decided to put on their passports, male, female, and other. 
And you can just put an X into other. You don't have to be a male or a female anymore. And we're going to talk about the gender issues in the days ahead. You're like, man, what got into you this morning, Billy? I'm like, listen, the, time, the hour is urgent, guys. We've got to speak truth to power right now. We're going to deal with the issue of racism head on. I'm going to deal with God's dream for every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We're going to deal with injustice. We're going to talk about gender issues. We're going to get real clear on, on, on the issues of homosexuality and marriage. We love everybody that's, that's wrestling through every kind of challenge. We love everybody, but we've got to drop a plumb line. We've got to be clear right now. The church has got to be clear right now. This is not the time to be mealy mouth and mince words so you can get a bigger crowd. That's not what time it is. It is not time for that right now. This is time to be clear, to, to hold on to the gospel of Jesus, to be a faithful witness, and, to what, and, and then just say, what, come, come what may. Come what may. I'm going to stand with the Lord Jesus. We're going to stand with the truth of the kingdom. We're going to stand with love. We're, we're going to call people to repentance and to righteousness and to justice. We're going to call people into the kingdom of God, but we are not going to fold to the sway of the world system. Amen. So here we go. He says, verse 20, he goes, now here, in light of the Antichrist pushing the world system, in light of the spirit of Antichrist pushing the world system, he goes, here's, the, here's what you need to know, church. You actually have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. See, when you got born again, when the eternal seed of God came inside of you and your spirit man went from death to life, all of a sudden something happened on the inside of you. And, and man, there was a conviction that was on your soul that wasn't there before. You realized, you know, I can't enjoy the stuff I used to enjoy. I can't say the things that I used to say. My attitudes and my opinions, all of a sudden I feel a little, a little check on them sometimes. And there's the teacher on the inside trying to teach you righteousness. Holy Spirit, wooing you to know the truth. Wooing you to depart from your own ways and to embrace the truth of the kingdom of God, to embrace the truth of Jesus. And here's the deal. Our challenge is this. We get tired of repenting. Right? You get to that place, you're like, man, I can't be this wrong. I feel like God's convicted me, but there's no way I'm this wrong. I just, some of these things are just, they're okay. I'm just going to stay with, you know, these little, just this little area. Jesus, just stay off my area. It's my own little pet area. And I got big opinions on that one, so just stop. He goes, I like you so much, but you're mine. You're not your own anymore. I paid for you. My blood paid for you. And I don't want you to go out like that because that little area and the one that you got the big opinions on, you're deceived. And I want to renew your mind. I want to wash you with the water of my word. I want to cleanse you. I want to set you free from bondages. I want your heart to be alive. I want you to know love. I want you to be free. And what you don't realize is those little areas that you've kept to yourself they're binding you and blinding you. And you don't know my ways and you don't know my will because of it. And he goes, just come, just come, just come to me. Learn of me. He goes, just, just find out who I am, find out what I'm like, and you'll find out what I like and it will transform you. 
Beloved, that's the process we have to get in, where we're willing to just continually humble ourselves and allow our own opinions to go to the back burner and for Jesus to inform our opinions and the truth of the word of God to inform our opinions and to not fight each other down because of our opinions. Because you've got an anointing and you know the truth. And so this is what I say in D. The question for believers in this hour is, whether we will allow the world system to influence us or whether we will submit to God's truth and the ways of his kingdom. Are we, are we allowing the world to form our opinions for us? Or are we staring into the face of Jesus, staring into the word of God and asking him, what do you think about that? Come back to the racial issue for a moment. You know, when I saw that stuff in Charlottesville, I had a bunch of natural reactions. I got angry, got to punch somebody, all that. And then I went, wait, 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 wait. What do you think, God? He goes, my eyes are on this situation. He goes, my ear is attentive to the cries of, of those that have had injustice enacted against them. He goes, I'm heartbroken over this. And I go, yes, God. You've got to release justice. And I'm just, I'm like, right, make it right. I'm asking God, just break the back of racism, break the back of white supremacy, break the racism. And I start getting all fired up. And he goes, and? I go, uh huh. I care about those white supremacists. I, I go, uh, 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 what? Okay. I created them in my image and likeness too. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to repent, turn away from their sin, and turn to me. You see, if I'm coming from the kingdom, I can't just be mad and angry about the bigotry. Now, I, I've got to hurt with those who are hurting. I've got to embrace my, 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 black, and, uh, uh, my black brothers and sisters that are experiencing pain over this. I, I mean, I have to be there. But if I'm coming from the kingdom... I've got to be in love and in empathy there and I've got to pray for salvation for the perpetrators. As much as that runs cross grain to my emotions. I'm just getting real right now, guys. Are we going to be in the kingdom or are we going to be according to our emotions or the newest meme on Facebook? Because there is a kingdom path that's different than anything that's out there. There's a kingdom path that when, when the enemy says, I'll destroy you, you'll say, I'll love Jesus to the end. Instead of, I'm gonna protect myself. I'll love Jesus to the end. And in him is victory. There's a kingdom path that's completely different than what the world's path is. The enemy comes and he offers us the world system. He offers us the influence of the world system. And he doesn't come in a big red devil suit. He comes in something that's appealing, something that's personal, something that feels right. He tries to deceive and delude through lusts, desires that we already have. And he wants to take them and pervert them to draw us in to his will and his ways. That's what he's talking about, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
He wants to pull you in. It's even like this. I, I talked to some believers, um, you know, uh, about the issue of salvation and whether there's heaven and whether there's hell. And, and they say this, they go, well, I, I just don't believe that God would send anybody to hell. And I go, okay, okay. Well, what does the Bible say? And they go, I think you're misinterpreting it. And I go, okay, well, what about these verses? There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What, what about if you pr- practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God? All liars will have their portion in the lake of fire. What about all these verses? They go, well, I just don't think God's like that. I go, okay. He's a God of love. I go, okay, I can believe that. And they go, so he just doesn't send anybody to hell. I go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says in the Bible, he is a God of love. And he says that people that reject him go to hell. Now, you tell me, are you believing in that God or are you making a God in your own image and likeness? And what it is, is ultimately when they're siding with their own image and likeness and the God that they've made, well, I don't want to believe in a God like that. Pride of life. Do you see it? So it doesn't start with the devil showing up in a devil suit. It starts with those poor people. What about those poor people? And he plays on the emotions. He plays on the lust. And what he does is through through what seems like a positive thing, he'll draw you into deception. All right. I mentioned all that in E. Appealing to human desires for pleasures, beauty, privilege. He deceives people into living according to his values instead of the values of the kingdom of God. All right. Can you take a little bit more? The rest of y'all can hang on for the ride. I'll be done in a minute. So who forms our paradigms? That's the question you have to ask yourself right now. Who or what is forming your paradigm? Are you getting it from the word of God? Are you getting it from Jesus? And, and let me just be clear. I believe you have, to, you have to pray, you have to lean in in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to you. But if you're getting stuff from, quote unquote, Jesus in prayer that doesn't line up with the word, you're not getting it from Jesus. And I've had believers do that. They come to me, well, the Lord said A, B, C, D. And I go, I got four verses that say the exact opposite of what you just said the Lord said. So I just, I appreciate that you're trying to hear the Lord, but I don't think that's the Lord. He's going, to be, he's going to speak the word. He's not going to speak opposite of the word. So who is forming your opinion? Jesus' thoughts. He has opinions on everything that happens under the sun. He's intimately acquainted with the cries of injustice throughout the entire earth. He has an opinion about it all. This is one of the things that I've had to learn to do over the years. When I start getting inflamed by what I see in the news, when I start getting inflamed by injustice, when I start getting inflamed by all sorts of things, uh, I realize that there's a propensity in me to, to get out of the spirit even on the side of what I would think is right. Get angry and get into a place like, you know, self-righteousness is also sin. And, and I, go, I go, Lord, I don't want to be there. Help me understand. And this is, the, this is the $100 million question. How do you think and how do you feel about this? 
The psalmist said, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I can walk in your truth and give me an undivided heart. I'll fear your your name. Give me a heart that's totally united in, in reverence for you so I walk in your ways. And I've had to learn to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you thinking and what are you feeling? What are you thinking and what are you feeling? And his eye is all over the earth. He's acquainted with the cries of the prisoner and the cries of injustice, and he has opinions about everything. The question we have to ask ourselves is, do we share his opinion or are our opinions an alternate opinion than his? And here's what we have to come to grips with and see. If my opinion isn't according to Jesus' ways, according to his opinion, the culture of the kingdom of God, it's according to the opposing kingdom, And my thoughts and opinions must be aligned with the thoughts and opinions of the king of the kingdom or else I'll find myself in opposition to him. You know what I find with humans is that usually they'll pick a side. Well, I'm on this side. Well, I'm on that side. And I find that the Lord has so much more of a broad perspective about issues Like when I see the church and I see the church railing against homosexuality, it grieves me because Jesus isn't railing against homosexuals. He's looking at people who are created in the image and likeness of God who are bound with a sin and he's broken over their situation and he loves them and wants to bring liberty to them. He's not hating them, shunning them, staying away from them. That's not Jesus. He's not holding up, you know, God hates gays signs at rallies. That's not Jesus. That's disgusting self-righteousness and a religious spirit parading as if it is Jesus. But what I find is there's always a spectrum and usually Jesus isn't all the way over here and usually he's not all the way over here. Usually somewhere in between and his opinion has much more of a broad expression And man, to find yourself in that place, it's not a human effort to get there. It's only the grace of God to get get there under the truth of God. It's only the grace of God that gets us into truth. And so I'm concerned about how believers right now are boldly sharing their opinions that are clearly not filtered by the culture of the kingdom. That's got me really concerned in this hour. I think it's a pathway to ultimate deception and I think it's something that has to stop. And so I would just say this, that what happens if in the course of public debate, you find that your opinion is in opposition to the king of the kingdom? What happens? Don't be in that spot. Look what Matthew 6 says. It says, if the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And my desire for us is that we would take every one of our opinions and submit it to the cross. Put it right at the foot of Jesus, right at the foot of the cross, and say, God, help me and inform me of your ways, your will, and your opinions. Jesus, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And here's what I mentioned here next in E, that even the disciples didn't understand the ways of the kingdom. Even the disciples were amiss in what they thought was righteousness and justice. They actually had their own opinion that was, hello, based in an unsanctified nationalism. 
Let the reader understand. And so they begin to say things that Jesus had to rebuke them for. Look at this in Luke chapter 9. Came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him. Because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. The Samaritans didn't want anybody staying there who was going to the feast in Jerusalem. They were not uh, harboring pilgrims that were on the way to, to celebrate the Passover. They said, we don't do that. We're not, we're not into that. You can't stay here. And it's like the disciples are like, do you know who we've got here? We've got Jesus. Hello, it's the son of God. You guys are dumb. You're going to get judged for this, you know? That's how the, their act, attitude was. And so look at what happens. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Lord, they're ridiculous. I'm putting a Facebook post up right now. Never go to Samaria, Samaria any, ever again. They don't know Jesus. You know, and they go, We're gonna, we want to call down the judgment of God to destroy them. And Jesus looks at them and goes, guys. I, I almost feel like Jesus is just going like, are you guys serious right now? You don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know the ways of my kingdom. I'm not calling judgment down on them. What do you think we're going to do right now? I'm going to, be, to suffer and be crucified for them. I'm about to shed my blood so that they can come to know me and love me. Guys, what, what do you think this is? You don't even know what spirit you're of. So often I feel like that's what Jesus would be saying to us in the church right now. You don't know what spirit you're up, church. And beloved, I, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'm just sitting here saying, you know what? I want my opinion to line up with Jesus' opinion on every matter that's happening in the society. And I don't want to be hooked by the, the, the prevailing opinions and the sway of the world system. Can I get an Amen. I don't want to live there. I don't want to be pushed around by media. I don't want to be pushed around by the loudest guy on social media, the quickest opinion, the biggest editorial. I don't want to be pushed around by that. I don't want to let the president's Twitter account inflame me anymore in the name of Jesus. I just want the Bible to govern my soul and Jesus' opinion to govern the way I think. And I, I want to be squarely in the kingdom of God. And so F, I just want to call us all out of living by worldly opinions and feelings that we may have from social rhetoric, political parties, our natural culture, our personal experience, and our families. I want to call us into firstly living by the culture of the kingdom of God, that the truth of God's kingdom would inform our lens and our opinion in every matter of this life. 
That's what we're gonna be doing these next several weeks. Setting a lens, best I know how, from the scripture about critical social issues right now that are hot topics, critical conversations that are happening in the society. I want us to be firmly rooted on the truth with the value system of the kingdom of God so that we can be clear in an hour of much confusion in the earth. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's stand.